Hey everyone, welcome into the inaugural edition of the Mental Game Podcast. I am Sam Brief, and I'm so happy to have you here. This is a project I'm really excited to work on. I mean, everyone has a podcast, right? Are you even relevant if you don't have a podcast? I had to hop in the game. But seriously, I'm excited to be working on this because the mental side of sports has always been so fascinating to me. There's just so much we take for granted. I'm assuming that if you're not a diehard sports fan, you've at least dabbled in sports if you're listening to this. So, for example, let's say you were watching a baseball game the other night. Take any pitcher. Let's say Max Scherzer. I guess he's not really any pitcher. He's arguably the best in the game. But let's say you were watching a Nationals game and Max Scherzer was pitching and he threw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, hit his spot perfectly on the low outside corner for strike one. You probably just watched that, and like me and like most people, just took it for granted that he's really good and he made that pitch. And maybe you think about it a little more. Okay, his mechanics are really good. He's worked hard at his craft. But so much of it is mental, not just with pitching, not just with being an athlete, but being a manager, making decisions under pressure, being a general manager, who to sign, who to trade, who to release. You're in the spotlight. Being a broadcaster. I'm a broadcaster. You're in the spotlight. You're expected to perform. You have to focus. You have to be in the right mental state. And that doesn't mean you have to be happy, positive. It just means you got to be focused. And that's one of the hardest things to do as a human being. So speaking of pitching, I'm really excited about my first guest. It's Casey Crosby, who pitched the last couple seasons for the team that I've broadcasted for, the Chicago Dogs, an independent team out in Rosemont near O'Hare Airport in the American Association of Independent Professional Baseball. And Casey like a lot of pro baseball players, has taken this grueling and sort of Sisyphean ride through professional baseball. He was a phenom in high school. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2007 by the Detroit Tigers, rocketed up through the system, and in 2012, he made his big league debut, by the way, against the New York freaking Yankees, and he struck out A-Rod twice. But he makes his debut in 2012. Things going well. And then injuries crept in. And due to those injuries and choosing to focus on family, he took some time off after he was released by Detroit. And then rested, recharged. He came back into baseball. Eventually got a second chance, this time with the Minnesota Twins. But again... Things didn't work out. So he ventured back into independent baseball. He joined the Chicago Dogs last season. And he overpowered hitters all year long. I got to broadcast his games. Dude was nasty. Had a sub-2 ERA. Almost 15 strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, it was like watching a major league pitcher against independent league players. Which is pretty much what it was. And teams noticed. The L.A. Dodgers signed him over the offseason. He went to spring training in 2020, but then COVID-19 crept in. 
and he fell victim. He was released by L.A., and then he came back to Chicago and pitched this season for the Dogs. Now, Casey's a tremendous guy to talk to. He's someone who's really analytical, and he thinks about his mental approach. He's not just a guy who goes up there with a totally clear mind and throws the ball really hard and has a lot of success. He thinks about it. He recognizes that how you approach your craft and how well or not well you're able to focus really bears impact on how well you pitch. So Casey was a perfect person to talk to in the inaugural edition of the mental game. So I'll shut up. And without further ado, here is the first ever mental game podcast featuring Casey Crosby. Swing and a miss. He got him with a nice slider. And that's vintage Casey Crosby. Casey, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing great, man. You know, offseason life's good. Uh, just being at home, not having to go to the field every day. Obviously, you miss it a little bit, but... Uh... You know, you can keep yourself busy with all the stuff around the house that you haven't been able to do all summer. So, And you've got two kids at home right now, a third on the way. So you're plenty busy at home. I know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always somebody. If, if you're not doing anything, you're, you're a candidate to be, to be in playtime. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope this podcast qualifies as doing something, so I'm not keeping you oh, from your is. duties. Yeah. wonderful well I appreciate the time Casey really excited to dive in so I I took listeners earlier through this gauntlet ride that you've taken and so many other pro baseball players have taken it's such a pressure cooker yet every time you go onto the mound you're expected to just shut it all out and focus on pitching how do you do that the biggest thing is you've done it a million times and you can do it again uh when your mind is as clear as it can be, that's when you have your most success. Um, and, uh, you know, you just focus on the task at hand. You're not, you're not doing it for, at the time you're thinking to yourself, you're not doing it for anything, but you're just doing it for, you know, your teammates and, and getting the job done. I mean, it's your job. So, you know, the task is, is what it is and, and you just got to attack it. Do you find that the ability to focus is a skill that gets better throughout your career? Um, I think, yes, there are things that you can do to improve on it. Uh, but I don't think it's a consistent thing where it's going to consistently be better and better and better as, as you go. There's going to be times where you're lightning focused, like nothing's getting in your way. You know, you're, you're looking, you, you got, you know, ice, ice in your eyes. You, you're doing what you can. You, everything else is just has no matter to it. And then there's other times where you, very distracted and you're just like how am I going to get three outs here in this area? you know and and it's it's tough to deal with but you find mechanisms and things to get you back into that at least trying to get back into somewhat of what you know what locked in is so when you were young in high school tearing it up getting offers and then you ended up being a high draft pick of Detroit in 2007. You obviously had a lot of success. Does that get to your head? No. When I was in high school and, like, everything was, was getting, like, magnified, like you said. Uh, everything, every pitch was getting, you know, looked at and, and all that. I, 
I, you're just so young that you're just like, I'm the man. Like nobody, even if like, even if no matter how I do, like everybody came to see me. So it's like the confidence kind of just embeds itself into you um, when you're young and you're, you know, kind of a, kind of a top prospect, um, top draft pick uh, and all that. So it kind of just gets embedded in you and you just roll with it. Cause you're just so young. You don't know what else is, what all is at stake. When does all that change? Because then you enter the minors, you're playing with guys who are a lot older. It's just a different environment. You're not tearing it up like you were in high school. How does that get to you? Yeah, there's, there's trials that you go through that you don't, you know, in high school your fastball never got touched, and now, you know, guys are hitting it. Uh, you know, you, you've got to go through bumps and bruises to really know how to, how to pitch and how to handle yourself, and it makes you stronger in the end um, to go through some of those trials in, in the first part of your career. It's not even about, like, pitching well. It's also about, you know, doing the right thing to your, with your coaches and, and all, all the people who are helping you. You know, you don't want to be this guy that's like, you know, I'm not going to listen to anybody because then you're deemed as, you know, like uncoachable or, or and whatnot. So you got to, you know, you got to keep yourself, you got to keep yourself you while also kind of playing the game in affiliated ball. What's the balance between playing the game of baseball that's in front of you? You, you come on the mound, you got to get three outs and playing that long-term game of, okay, if I give up a home run here, I might not get moved up from single A to double A. That seems tough. <laughs> I don't live under that much pressure. You can't just uh, like assume that if you give up a home run, you're not going to get called up you know, next week or whatever. Um, it's just all about how well you perform and how well you um, execute your pitches, first off, uh, throw the right pitch at the right spot. Um, you know, if somebody hits a home run off you, then you just got to tip your hat to them. Um, there's a lot of pitchers out there and myself included who used to do it was like you know you'd be so like you know you're so like you're down if you give up a home run like that's 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 baseball man that's it's it's something that's gonna happen like you no know, the best pitchers in the world give up home runs and like you just mentally you got to be able to like accept that and if you can't then you're not going to survive pitching is so interesting because i can't think of anything in the world that is more performative than pitching and scrutinized because not only do you have fans watching on TV, fans watching in the stands, you've got the players in the dugout all watching you, the players in the field behind you are watching you, the umpire, the catcher are laser focused on you, the batter better be focused on you. So everyone's watching you, and you're literally on an island that looks different. It's this dirt mound in a sea of green. It's very performative. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to be on that mound? Is it lonely? It can be very lonely at times, yeah. Uh, there's been numerous times in my career where I've been out there, and it's not like it's not like hitting. Like, yeah, hitting, you're, you're up in the box. It's just you, but, you know, you – face three pitches and you're, you're back, you're back in the dugout. You know, you're just, you're just, you kind of get embedded into the lineup. You get um, lost in the lineup. So nobody really notices how poorly you're doing. It's like, Oh, I just strike out. Like I strike out all the time. But like when you're the pitcher, it's like this guy keeps giving up hits. He keeps giving up walks, keeps giving up runs. And he's still out there. Cause he's trying to get, he's trying to get off the field. He has to do well to get off the field. You know, if, if a hitter, 
does well, he's still on the field. But if he doesn't do well, he gets to leave right away. The pitcher does doesn't do well, he's uh, he's staying on that thing. How much of pitching is mental? I would say definitely three quarters at least. <laughs> I mean, you can have all the skills in the world. I I feel like I have all the skills in the world, but like mentality wise, there are times where I'm not there because of a certain you know certain stresses or anything in your life because once you're stressed or you have some sort of stresses in your life you're going to carry that everywhere you go I mean I, I think everybody can agree with that like you have problems at work and, you know sometimes you you know bring it home and you, you you do something and you like you know you get a little short with your with your kids or something like that but it's because you're stressed at work like that happens in baseball too but you know you you struggle so much out there because of the stresses of other things in your life that it's just, it's, it's, it's the guys that can like forget everything and not care about anything that I think have the most success. I've, I myself have come to the realization, like I used to always feel like, think positively, think positively out there. And then you say, okay, I'm going to strike this guy out. Guy ends up getting a hit. And you're like, well, I was supposed to strike him out. What the heck? And now like, just to, just recently, I was like, I don't care what happens anymore. All I care about is that I'm going to execute my pitch. Whatever happens after that, it's totally out of my control. I mean, that's that's the big thing that I try and preach these days to kids. It's like, don't don't think about it as thinking negatively or positively. Think about it as not thinking at all, and you're just out there to to execute what you can control. Mental health among athletes right now. Hot button topic. I'm sure you heard what Skip Bayless had to say about Dak Prescott, who opened up about dealing with depression after his brother committed suicide, which is a very valid reason to be depressed. And of course, if someone's suffering from clinical depression, that's extremely valid to seek out help. Yet Skip Bayless seemed oblivious to it all. What was your take on that? Well, my understanding was he was depressed. Um, because of the shutdown and, and, and everything. Um, and then his brother committed suicide. And I think that's what made him want to voice his, voice his, his deals with depression um, to the public because I think he wants that to not happen to anybody, to, to keep it in themselves and feel like they need to deal with it themselves. Um, so Dak shared it with the world. The, and, like, obviously, you know, Skip Bayless, like, so very, very uh, insensitive to the uh, situation um, with his beloved Cowboys uh, thinks that, that is a, that's made uh, someone weak. And like me going on this and talking about my mental game, um, I think that is something that requires a lot of strength because I, like you said, a lot of guys don't like to talk about their mental state because then they feel like they expose themselves. Well, it takes a lot of courage to do that, to be vulnerable. Um, I think Shannon Sharp says you can be vulnerable and not weak and you can be weak and not vulnerable. So like there's a lot of weak minded people out there who don't want to, who don't want to um, expose themselves to the vulnerability that people know about their mental state. So what Dak Prescott did was a huge thing for all involved for the whole organization. Um, it's, it's there. Like, why are we pretending like it's not there? You know, people, people were dealing with stuff this year. Like it, it, it's, it's something that's, you know, you can, 
deal with it and put it to bed and get that support that you need, or you can just keep it within yourself and, and not have, not being able to deal with it. So, and I think it's a huge thing to be able to uh, talk about the mentalities of different things. And, uh, and so you can get the support you need and the, and the help you need too. The idea that, oh, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, your team, your fans are looking up to you to be this ironclad figure. You can't say that you're depressed. That's garbage. I actually think it's the opposite. For him to open up and say, listen, I was super depressed. I mean, he's dealing already with the pandemic and then the death of a loved one. Right, right. How him being vulnerable and opening up and saying, I sought out help. In my mind, I now think of Dak Prescott as a million times stronger than I did before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Think about the people, how much strength it takes to say, I need help. You know? I mean, think about that. Like, he, uh, he definitely inspired a lot of people to, uh, to and it's going to you know, help a lot of people out, in my opinion. It really does. I mean, so many people struggle with things that we don't see, and that's one of the things that I hope can continue to get erased little by little is the stigma around mental health that you can't yeah. see because oh, yeah. someone like Dak Prescott looks healthy, young, making a crap ton of money, super successful, but he's struggling inside, and everyone has different sorts of struggles. I struggle from anxiety, right? right. struggling exactly. from depression. I've sought out help. He's seeking out help. I'm glad that I can relate to him in that way. 2018, I got sent down to double. I got I was in AAA. I got sent down to double A. I suffered mightily from performance anxiety because I felt like I needed to be perfect. You know, I got sent down to double A, so you need to do all you can to get back up. And I felt like I wasn't struggling in AAA or I wasn't doing too poorly in AAA, but they sent me down anyways. Like I need to be better, and that's when I started suffering from performance anxiety. Um, Haley is a really she started uh, a little uh she started a little organization about it's called uh our brave faces and she feel she helps people deal with their um mental struggles by voicing their mental struggles and, and how and how they struggle from it and they get support from that so it's really huge in my house to be able to communicate with people about how you are mentally and that's what we thrive to instill in our children too right to be able to say this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. Open up to someone about it. Even if it's not a therapist who's then giving you strategies to handle right. it, just the act of saying, man, I'm struggling, yeah. and cry about it maybe, yeah. it's such a relief. It is a relief. You get the support that you've been, you know, you secretly have been wanting. It's really crazy how different baseball is specifically from not just other sports but real life. Like I think about when I go on air to call a game, I similarly to you try to focus up, you know, maybe I've got some stress going on in another part of my life yeah. and I just got to shut it off because once the game starts, I have to be on yeah. when I'm broadcasting or the listener might notice me screwing something up or sounding low energy or whatever. Yeah. But it's different because a broadcaster is expected to and will succeed most of the time you know it's not like i'm botching a name seven times out of ten but for you if you you make m many mistakes every time you go out there you might have a tremendous outing statistically where you strike out the side but you've still made a few mistakes out there and every baseball player is expected to pretty much screw up most of the time 
that's yeah. got to take a little toll on you mentally. Yeah, and I think that's what formed my mentality of just, just who cares? Like, whatever happens, happens. I mean, you see guys get mad because, you know, they didn't throw the pitch where they wanted, but they still got the result they wanted. Why would you be upset about that? You know, because there are times where you execute your pitch to perfection, but it still gets hit. So are you, you're going to be upset at that too. You can't be upset at that because the, the hitter, you know, got, he, he got you. You know, he, he got it. And it was not, had nothing to do with how well you did or didn't do. He just made a good hit and made a good contact with the ball. Um, and, and, like, a big thing is just, is just to, you know, forget about it and, and, and know that you did what you had to do. And, like, I, I have a perfect example. of In 2017, when I was with the league in Salt Dogs, it was when I came back to baseball after taking a couple of years off. I threw an inning where I felt like my curveball was as sharp as it's ever been before I took that time off. And like my fastball was, 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 you know, clocking up, you know, 96 or whatever. But the guys were like hitting me, getting broken bat hits and, and jam jobs and infield singles and all that. And I'm like, what the heck? This is game is, I forgot how hard this game was. I come back the next inning and I'm just like throwing my, my arm is really like sore because I just came back from from you know taking two years off so going another inning it's gonna it, it kind of wore on me like came came back out for the inning started warming up and it was like oh man it's really tight it's tightening up really bad right now so like i was like i'm just gonna go all fastballs i mean i was i looked at the gun and be like 92 and like i was just getting i got three pop-ups like nothing like it was nothing i was like well now baseball's easy it's crazy how fast it happened you know i gave up two runs in the first inning and then i go one two three in the second inning and i felt like Absolutely terrible. I feel like crap, you know. But it's still, it's just baseball. You got to take the good and the bad with it. At the end of the day, a lot of it is luck. Exactly. And you have to so accept that. Luck. Yeah, you have to accept that. Like, you know, you see guys getting upset at, at, at you know, but they did it. They got like a blue pit or something, and they're like upset that they missed their pitch. I, I can see maybe a, a hitter getting upset because they should have hit a home run. But like, pitcher just he got you got your out. Like, you should take it. <laughs> Can ever blame a guy for getting upset at luck. I mean, just go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dice roll doesn't go your way. Not a happy camper. Exactly. Where if it does, it's like, well, I mean, why, why would you? Why would you get upset at it? You know, like, why would you? Why would you? I don't know. It's it's hard to explain um, when it comes to like gambling because gambling is literally all luck. You know, um, you know you you do certain things and, and, uh, try yeah. telling that to some of my friends. Yeah. Hey, same here. You know, it's, you're, you're, you're so excited that you won, but it's like, you literally just got lucky. <laughs> That's all it was. Or you've got the magic touch or that. Yeah. If you believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, I, I want to touch on your time off that you just alluded to, but a mm -hmm. few years before you took that time off, you got the big call up to mm -hmm. Detroit 2012. Mm -hmm. You're called up. Tell me about that day. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, it was a very interesting, well, the night before and that day. Like, it was very, very, geez. I mean, I was so nervous. It was crazy. Like, I, uh, I couldn't sleep that night. You know, I, I woke up the next morning. The day of my start, I couldn't eat. I couldn't talk. Like, you know, my wife Haley would talk. Like, she would, like, talk to me, and I'd, and I'd I don't know, wouldn't even know what to say. So, and like, I wouldn't eat. And she's like, there is something up with him. 
you know, if I'm not eating, that's a big thing because I'm a big eater. So like, I wasn't really eating anything. I was barely nibbling at my sandwich or whatever. And, um, just so nervous. I mean, I don't even know why. Like, if I could go back and talk to myself, like, you're and say you're about to throw the big leagues, who cares how you do? Like, you're there, you know? And, like, that's what I should have been. But I was so focused on, like, I need to do well because I'm in the big leagues. It's so, and it's like, however many eyes are on you in the minor leagues, it's like a hundred times that in the big leagues. So like, that's pretty much what I was hung up on. And I, you know, on just being young, 23 years old, like it's just kind of how my mentality was. I had to do well for everybody, you know, and that's, that's really not the right mentality to have. So, um, but once I got to the park, everything was good. Like I saw my teammates that were, you know, with me into AAA and like, I got to relax a little bit. And then once like I went out there for the game, I was just, you know, I started thinking, wow, this is really, really cool. Like, who, like I started to be like, you know, who, who is so lucky to be, to be here? Like, I'm just, I just kind of soaked it in a little bit, and, you know, but like that, that, that day it was up until I got to the clubhouse, I was extremely nervous and I, I wish I could go back and, you know, kick myself for that. When you stepped on the mound at Comerica, were there even coherent thoughts in your mind and if no, so what was, were they no there was no coherent thoughts i would just had all adrenaline and all just you know it was really one of those things where it's like i don't know i just something like kind of took over me and i like i just didn't really have a real realization of what i was doing so i just i you know i had a fairly good first inning uh, but then it was like i went out for the second inning did my warm-ups and stuff um everything was going like a million miles an hour for me like this whole time um, and then Robinson Cano steps up to the plate and like, I'm ready to throw my first pitch. And then he calls time, goes back to the dugout for literally like two minutes. And I'm like, what is going on right now? But in that time, it really like hit me. Like I was like looking around like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I kind of came back to earth, you know? And then like this kind of had a rough second inning. So I ended up giving up uh, a grand slam, I think in that inning. So, so yeah, it was a rough inning, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you learn and, you know, you learn, you know, that to, to deal with the, the stresses of the big leagues. You just mentioned Robinson Cano, and I think it's important that listeners know your first start was against the New York freaking Yankees. Mm-hmm. You faced right. Jeter. You struck out A-Rod twice. Mm-hmm. Cano, like you mentioned. You step on the mound for your first big league start and you're staring down Derek Jeter and you see that iconic New York Yankees logo. I mean, did you think, damn, <laughs> where the hell am I? Well, I think at the time it was like, obviously I had a, my, my mind was going a million miles an hour. Um, so I really wasn't thinking of it as Derek Jeter in the box against me. I was just looking at the mitt and trying to execute, you know, my pitch and, and, like it's because I because I was going a million miles an hour. I didn't have time to think about anything. I think that's kind of was kind of a good thing. It wasn't until like Cano came up, took that took that little break, whatever he did, and that I kind of came back to earth and started thinking, which is not a good thing when you're a pitcher. You should just be out there and just letting it eat. Later that year, you got sent back down to the minors. Mm-hmm. How did you process that? I was honestly fine with it because. <laughs> I've told my wife this many times, like when I was up in the big leagues, it was like really tough to like be myself. Um, you know, you're, you're around all these big name players. We had guys who had, you know, hundred million dollar contracts 
left and right. We had Carrera, we had Fielder, we had Erlander, Scherzer. I mean, we had we had an all star like lineup. Um, so like it was really hard to be myself because you're a rookie. You like they're not they don't really listen to you anyways. Like and like you can't really do anything you want because you have like rookie rules where you can't do this or can't do that um, because you're a rookie. And it was like hard for me to just relax and like have fun. Um, so it was kind of like a breath of fresh air to get sent back down and be with like, you know, guys that you know, I'm more on my level of income and, 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 and just overall like maturity level. And, and, uh, you know, you're with all these guys who have been in the big league for eight, 10 years or whatever. And, you know, it's just, they, they have different egos up there. And so like this, when I got sent down, it was honestly a fine with me. Um, I got a taste of it. I knew I'd get back and, and, uh, you know, I, I was fine to, you know, go back to triple A and, and keep, keep dominating. So you go back to triple A and then the next year you decided to take some time off from baseball. What went into that decision? Well, it was actually 2014. I, in 2013, I got hurt. Um, it's when my injuries really started to be prevalent. Uh, 2013, I think I threw, I want to say like 60 innings or something before I went down and they, they shut me down for the whole year. It happened in 2014 as well. And that was my third year on the 40 man. So, um, they, they had to make a decision whether to, uh, you know, keep me in the big leagues or, or, you know, take me off the 40 man. Um, and they decided to release me. So, um, and it was, you know, I only threw 60 innings in that, in that year too. So obviously I was an injury risk and, uh, you know, it was really hard mentally because I think that was probably some of the hardest uh, things to do is to, like, step away from the game when you're not because of because you're bad, but because you can't stay on the field healthy. You see all these guys around you that are, you know, like, what are they doing different? Like, I feel like I work hard. I feel like I'm doing everything that they're telling me to do. Um, and then it's not working out. Like, I keep getting injured. And, uh, and like, that, I think that's a really hard thing mentally for pitchers to see is, like, especially a guy that gets hurt a lot it's really tough mentally for them because it's like why me what am i doing wrong but it's really not really you're doing anything wrong you're just you just haven't found your way yet and i once i stepped away from the game i was able to like assess myself and and, and just what works for me and what doesn't work for me and i took that when i came back and, and it's been working out did the time off now looking back at your last few years after that time off, did the time off sort of reshape the way you look at baseball and put things into perspective, especially considering your family started to grow a bit? Yeah, 100%. I, I've talked about it with Haley a lot. Like, me taking that time off was the best thing for me. Not, not on a baseball mentality, but just overall life. Uh, not know, Knowing that I'm not just a baseball player. Uh, it's basically been my identity since I was, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you really want to think about it, I was – you know, five years old when I started and that was, it was my, like my sport growing up. Like I was always the best at it. And I was always really, you know, the top guy there in, in wherever I was at. And, you know, I was just like my whole life, it was like I was sports and basically baseball. And like, now that when I took that time off, it was like, I realized that there's like bigger things in life than baseball. There's bigger things in life than, than, you know, there's more that you, than you can do than just baseball. So that's why I decided to uh, no, I, I decided to make a decision. I was old enough 
you know, I feel like I can make a decision that I'm not just going to be a baseball like lifer. You know, I, I know there's other things that I want to do. I'm thinking about this pandemic mm-hmm. with what you're saying, because I think all of us around baseball and certainly this year, both of us were with the dogs. And I think you and I had talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the season is with everything happening this year, it's amazing that we were able to play, but it was at least in the back of my mind, like, wow, there's so much happening in the world with COVID, with social justice issues that this baseball game feels a little insignificant. How did that affect your pitching and the way you just went about your game this year? Um, I think this year, like it was a rough year for me mentally. Um, just a lot of things going into it. Um, one of the things, obviously, was this whole COVID uh, protocol we had. Um, there are times where I, I didn't feel like we were doing all we could to protect ourselves, even though, even though it, I think it was – I think our whole thing was, like, we are showing people that we were being safe, but we weren't really being safe. Um, to my, and, and to me, that's just – it's kind of like, why are we doing this and not doing that? Um, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Like, we were in Milwaukee the other, uh, you know, one of our last times, and we're all wearing masks in the, in the bullpen. You know, we, we're, we're around each other all the time. We have, our, we have roommates on the road. Like, we, 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 we're, we're around each other, you know. But we have to wear masks when we're in the bullpen together. Well, then I feel, I, I, I felt, a, you know, something hit my foot. It was a, it was a cup from, from up top. You know, somebody dropped the cup. Somebody dropped the fork. It's like I'm being exposed to somebody's used things but yeah i have to wear a mask because i'm around people other people even though they're my teammates it's just to me it's just it, it's really tough to like focus on your job when you know you have all these things going through your head so i i don't know if that's the question you were asking but and then we were on our way home and we we would see you know the cops blocking off all the entrances into into uh kenosha or whatever um so it was one of those things where it's like, there's, there is a lot of going on and, and, you know, this is just, this year has, has been tough on everybody and, you know, playing baseball through it. I'm glad we gave fans, baseball fans, what they wanted uh, to give them baseball, you know, go to, go to, still go to watch a game. But uh, yeah, I mean, it took a toll on all of us mentally. The process in your mind from thinking about something like that in the bullpen to then being on the mound in Milwaukee and pitching, did you find it hard to get that out of your mind while you were on the mound? No, no. I, I think once you're on the mound, uh, I'm, you know, I'm focused on the hitter and I've done it a million times. But like I said, the things that, the thing that really got to me was, is like stresses from, it could be stresses from baseball. I mean, but you know, stresses from other things that really just inhibit your performance um, because when you're tight, like when you're stressed out, your muscles are a little tighter. You're a little tight, tighter, like wired. Um, you know, you're hanging on to all the stress. Like you've got this big weight on your shoulder and like, you want to like, just get rid of it. And, and like, cause if you get rid of it, you, you'll let go of all the like negativity. You let go of all the like things that are not going well for you. And you can just re- focus on the task. And, and uh, you know, I, I finally gained that the last like two or three weeks of the season. So I was happy with that, but uh, you know, like I said, I it, the, the numbers show that I, I I did not have a good year, and that was you know the stresses of it. The stresses you had this year 
that maybe affected the way you pitched this year were those things that like COVID that you weren't dealing with last year or were you just thinking about things differently? I was thinking about things differently, you know, being, being released by the Dodgers. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to go back to independent ball. Um, and you know, here I am with the Dodgers and then COVID happens and they release me, which is obviously it's something that, you know, I understand because like they only have so many spots and I'm on a one year contract. So it makes sense. But, uh, it still just sucks because like I told myself I wasn't going to do independent ball. I, I got a family, you know, I have, I have, I have bills to pay. Like indie ball doesn't, doesn't really pay the bills when you have, you know, a, you know, a, a family of four, uh, soon to be five. And, uh, you know, you got a mortgage, you got this and that. Um, so it was really tough on me mentally to the fact that I was there. Um, and I'm just I go on long road trips and like my family's back home and I'm like, it'd be fine if I was like being compensated. So I know I would be there for them financially, but like, you know, just wasn't working out. And that's probably what my main stressor was this whole season. You briefly touched on the experience of driving back to Chicago from Milwaukee, going right through Kenosha and seeing all the cop cars and the exits blocked off. Now your team made a social justice stand before a late season game against the Milkmen. You all took a kneel standing for social justice in response to the police brutality that's happened around the country. I'm curious what went into that. What sorts of discussions did you guys have behind the scenes? Well, I think uh, the main thing was um, that the, the league told us we had to wear uh, matching, you know, shirts during BP, uh, no, no sort of like cutoffs or anything like that. Um, and DJ Boston, one of our, you know, our hitting coach, um, he wears a Black Lives Matter shirt uh, for BP. And he's like, well, I can't wear this. Like, so, I mean, it was upsetting to us. So this is what we wanted to do. That's, that's when we decided to do that is because like, even though we can't do that anymore, we're still going to be unified and show people that, that we're unified. And I think it's something that was really important to, to, to all of us just to show that. Yeah, it was a powerful statement. I really thought so. And it was interesting to be with the team to be in Milwaukee. I remember driving up to Milwaukee on the day while there were protests happening in Kenosha Mm -hmm. and I'm listening to the radio and that's when the Bucks made the decision not Mm -hmm. to play their game in the NBA bubble. The Brewers decided not to play and I'm driving on the highway up to Milwaukee to, for our game. And I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're right where everything is really happening. Yeah. Yeah. And in Milwaukee, you know, we told Milwaukee about what we wanted to do and they were all for it. You know, everybody's, you know, they're they're in Milwaukee so they know what's going on and and they're 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 uh they're all for it so well it it was an interesting season in a lot of ways and now we can sort of look back on it and I'm sure a lot of books and movies and documentaries will be made about the last few months in world history yeah well Casey back to you what's next uh well like I said uh you know struggled this year so I uh, don't even know if I'll be, uh, you know, looked at, considered to be looked at for, you know, an affiliated team or, or anywhere besides, you know, really independent ball. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. But, uh, you know, obviously I'm getting my next steps together. Like I got my accounting degree. I got that in 2000, uh, last year, 2019. Um, and, uh, you know, look to do 
maybe do grad school if, if baseball is not in the cards and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, regarding the accounting, I will say last year you and I, you know, we'd be on the road with the team all the time and I'd watch you go out and throw nearly a hundred wicked curveball, strike out the side. And then next day I'd walk into Butch Hobson's manager's office and you'd be helping him with his accounting homework while he finished his Alabama degree. So I was like, wow, this guy's really versatile. Yeah. I was able to, you know, do well for Butch, not only on the baseball field, but uh, in the academic world, I was able to be his little tutor, I guess. Uh, You know, I'm glad I was able to be there for him. uh, And uh, so he can, so he can get through that class. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's whatever Skip wants, you you do for your skipper, you know. Exactly. Well, Casey, this has been really insightful. Thanks for letting me and listeners into your mind, into your life, into your career. It's been a joy. Yeah, I appreciate everything that you've done for me, too. You know, you, you understand the, the stuff that we go through, so, you know, I really appreciate that. So thanks for having me on, man. Of course, Casey. Appreciate it. Be well. I will. That was Casey Crosby, 11-year professional with a whole lot of insight. That was phenomenal. I took a lot from it. Certainly hope you did too. And I really appreciate you joining the first ever edition of the Mental Game Podcast. Another episode will come soon. I have another special guest lined up. So hope you'll tune in to the next one. And please like, rate, and subscribe this podcast. I really want to grow this. I think that a lot of people, both inside and outside of the sports world, will find impact from this and enjoy it. At least that's my hope. So if you agree, please like it, share it, subscribe. All of that will help. So again, this has been the first ever Mental Game Podcast. I'm Sam Brief. Stay safe, folks. Please wear your mask. Be considerate. We're all in this together. And until next time, Adios. Mm-hmm.